you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. The Around the NFL podcast will still be relevant in February. Hope so. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and boys, we finally have reached the end of the Yellow Brick Road. Week seven. I'm just, I'm just hoping to stay relevant into next week. You know, nothing is promised, Dan, but it does feel nice to get, you know, to the end of the regular season and get to the new year. It's going to cheer up the Sessler household, I know. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I think, look at, I think this year especially, aren't there a couple NFL teams that probably have that. NBA bubble um, desire to escape all this and, and go off into the wilderness. We're ready to say goodbye to some, but there's a whole bunch of intrigue too. I'm not trying. I think that listen, this year's week 17 is packed um, with more uh, enticing avenues and corners than I can remember in a long time. And I'm a little bit nervous about what's going to happen. I was like, I don't know. For some reason, I was really hanging on every word from Mark. There, I was figuring out how he's going to land that sentence. Yeah, this is a celebration. It's kind of like it's Sessler Day in a lot of ways, um, V-Day for Sessler, because all these kind of annoying teams, the teams that are hard to watch, uh, the teams that are straight up bad, uh, they all disappear after Week 17. And what's left is, well, now it used to be 12. Now 14 of the best teams remaining. So we're going to, listen, because it's Week 17, we're going to talk about all 32 teams, and they all Play on Sunday. It's the only week of the year where there is no Thursday night. There is no Monday night. There is just 16 games of pigskin uh, to dive into. And that's what we're going to do. So let's do it. And instead of doing the draft format, because it's a different week, because uh, so much is on the line in the AFC and in the NFC uh, with playoff bids, let's kind of group things together and talk about the games that matter most uh, in clusters. And let's start, Mark where we have to start in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. And here we go, Mark. The Browns 
fall to the Jets in Week 16 in stunning fashion. And I know you're missing that wide receiver room. Uh, but, you know, watching that game, Mark, you know, the Browns just weren't ready to get the job done either way. I didn't think they played well. I didn't think it was a well-coached game. I thought it was a mess from Cleveland. And now they have a chance to get into the postseason by beating Mason Rudolph, of all people, who will be starting in the place of Ben Roethlisberger. No, I'm with you a little bit. I don't. It was not Cleveland's best overall effort last week. They also found a lot of that stuff out on Saturday. It's hard to change things up. But this time around, it's like, look at it, it creates this situation where you have to ask yourself, are the Cleveland Browns, is the, the DNA and the destiny of this team to get zapped by Corona, lose to the Jets, and then fall to a Mason Rudolph-led Steelers team in Week 17? Um, I believe it is not. I believe it is not. They, From what I'm hearing, they've had really good practices this week uh, when they've been able to get together. Um, this team has found a way. They have not lost two in a row all year. They have recovered from losses and played well the following weeks. So you have to hope that happens in this situation. I mean, the Browns have corona issues. They may, may be undermanned in some situations. But the Steelers are, have a bunch of guys not in this game. T.J. Watt will not be playing. You know, Baker Mayfield right now ranks just below Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in terms of his play-action passes. He has been really strong in that area. The Steelers' defense, however, has been number one against play-action passes, but they have guys out of the lineup. So if you're Cleveland, stick to who you are. Don't do what happened last week when you got away, I thought, script-wise from what the Browns are. Do what you do and make this thing happen. This is your week. This is Cleveland has not been to the playoffs since 2002. I was like a wandering... Mm. Uh, idiot in the in the fields of Colorado back then when that happened. Can we now, in my adult life, uh, make this occur? Otherwise, I'm going to jump out the window here. It's a first floor window, but it's going to be a long right, Sunday. Yeah, Mark. Mark, let's let's bring you back down to earth. Greg, go ahead. Okay. I mean, Colorado. If you hadn't been there, though, we would have missed out on hearing about your girlfriends and hanging out in the fields there. Like that gave yeah. you so much content, Colorado. 2002, by the way, the Mark gram. was also. The only time uh, that an 11-win team since expansion did not make the playoffs. So the Browns have nothing to apologize for. That was the Patriots back then. If they get to 11, they don't have anything to apologize for. That said, I'm annoyed with this Week 17. I, You know, the, it should be building up to a crescendo. And the fact that they changed the buy situation, it had some unintended consequences. I think it's a competitive issue for the NFL. They want to put out a good product, and you got Mason Rudolph starting like the biggest game of the year. You have TJ Watt sitting the, the biggest game of the year. It, it's a similar situation in Buffalo. I'm not sure what the competition committee can do about this. It's a really difficult thing. It's not the Steelers' fault. It's not really the Browns' fault. And I don't assume that the backup uh, Steelers are definitely going to lose. We saw the backup Steelers win a game much like this back in 2004 against the Bills. So you never know what could happen. But if Miles Garrett shows up, and Olivier Vernon, by the way, who's been great, shows up uh, the way that he's played the last few weeks. I think they get it done, and uh, it feels a little fitting for Garrett to take it down, put 2019 behind him, and go get to the playoffs. This is why he makes all that money. And if you look on the other side of this, yes, where the Steelers are sitting their best players, but there is obvious bad blood about how things turned out uh, at the end of that last season. So it seems like... There's something poetic and perhaps poetic justice uh, from the Steelers' standpoint if they now have the chance with Rudolph to knock the Browns out of the playoffs. Uh, and it should be said, the Browns can still make the playoffs even with a loss. Uh, I believe the Titans also lose, the Browns get in. So it's not winning in necessarily for the Browns. But there is there is that, the Colts actually it is, if the Colts lose. Uh, there is that 
kind of vibe hanging in the air. And I, Mark, I'm with you as a as a fan of a similarly pain team. You worry about these things in the air and and the the cosmic pain of being a Browns fan. But that said, they have always risen to the challenge this season, except for last week. And you can mark down the COVID there. I think they'll do it again. I like the Browns a lot this week. Yeah, I don't know about this poetic justice for the Steelers knocking Cleveland out of the playoffs. I mean, they've kicked from Cleveland their around standpoint. for two decades. I mean, enough with that business. Right. I'm talking about the incident, of course, of Mason Rudolph sure. and Miles Garrett and how that would be poetic justice from the Pittsburgh side of things. Uh, does anybody, Mark, so you, how confident are you, one to ten right now, that the Browns are playing <laughs> playoff football? Give me a one to ten. With your confidence level, they're playing a wild card weekend. I believe in them. Um, I think they're more confident than I am. I'd put it at about a three. After what happened what? last week, I just wonder if the football <laughs> gods are kind of like laughing behind the scenes at me and people like me. So, Well, they're you know, getting their offensive line back. To me, last week, the offensive line and their linebackers and their defensive backs were the biggest issue. And the offensive line, which is the identity of this team, gets Dredgick Willis back, gets Wyatt Teller back. Uh, and you're playing against the Steelers' front line, who I think are the guys that are going to sit. They're the over 30 players. They better roll in this game. I no don't even excuses. Think it's be competitive. No excuses. Baker, think... light up the Steelers and roll into January. All right. Up next, speaking of the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, they are as hot as any team in football right now. Four straight wins. And you look at the numbers, Greg, of Lamar Jackson uh, since he came off the COVID-19 list a month ago. And they compare favorably to his MVP season. He's playing at that level again. And it seems like Baltimore is heading into the playoffs with a head full of steam. And here are the Cincinnati Bengals ready to be steamrolled. You would think so. Now, the Bengals are playing more competitively lately, but their defense still gave up 31 points uh, last week to the Texans. The Lamar Jackson experience has been partly about the opponents they played. They've played bad defenses, but it's also about him just trying to make plays in the running game. They're using their spread formation to get J.K. Dobbins out in space. That's helped a lot. They got a ton of speed, and Lamar's just taken off more. He's being more decisive. There's no reason to think that they're not going to put up 35 points this week, get into the playoffs, and they're the team I don't think anyone wants to face. I think one reason, by the way, the Steelers won't mind losing that game is because their most likely opponent in the wild card round is the Browns, and they can avoid the Ravens. Nobody wants to play this Ravens team, Mark. I'm with you. I think Lamar Jackson is a man at ease with himself right now, so different than a month ago over the past four weeks. He has his completion percentage, uh, his passer rating, his yards rushing per game, are higher than his MVP levels from a year ago. So you're getting that version of the Ravens. And Dan, you know, you predicted a couple weeks ago that they would run the table, and I think they can take care of the Bengals. I think the Bengals' offensive line has been more consistently of late. Um, Their screen game is working. Brandon Allen lit up the Texans, so they're a little more frisky than you would expect, but not frisky enough to take take out the Ravens, who are playing playoff football right now. They are that team, and I'm with you. The Steelers want nothing to do with the Ravens a week from now. There is no outcome I'm more confident in than the Ravens whipping up on the Bengals in this game and taking care of business. I did say I said I thought they'd win their last five, get that five seed. I think that I think that's all in play here uh, for the Ravens. And and it is interesting how last year Baltimore goes fourteen and two. They they're a berserker team going through the AFC. They get the number one seed, and then you know it all goes down in flames in the first round against Tennessee. They're not going to have the bye this week. They're not going to be uh, playing home games 
uh, in their building, most likely in the playoffs if they get there. But I feel better about this Baltimore team. It's almost like last year mm. and the year before, it was like when the Baltimore Ravens got to the playoffs. It was like, oh, but can Lamar get the monkey off his back? They can't. They can't get it done in January. You're not hearing that as much because the team is entering the playoffs in a much different way. I think that's good for them too. Their defense is banged up, and I hear you. It reminds me a little bit of Peyton Manning, who I think needed to get into the wild card round before he finally won a playoff game. Like sometimes that's just the way to do it: get the monkey off your back. Uh, but all that flies out the window if they get stuck against Buffalo. I mean, the Ravens have been beating up on some poor sisters in the NFL, and if they get stuck going to Buffalo next week, uh, they're still heavy underdogs to me. But I do like the way they've kind of adjusted to those defensive injuries, and they got to feel good uh, heading into the. Playoffs. You are you're being a little sneaky dismissive of Baltimore the last couple of shows, Greg. I don't know what it's about. I like I love the Bills as much as anybody, but I don't think they are going to be. Uh, get rolled over by anybody right now, this Ravens team. We're on, I guess, different pages there. We are. I mean, uh, they've got a lot. Of, they've got a lot of players missing in their secondary, in their front line. Not much of a pass rush. I just think I think that matters more than you're letting on, Danny. Okay. I can imagine you two on different pages. I mean, the Ravens have just started so <laughs> strong the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I I don't. I'm with you, Dan. I don't. They're a steamroller. One hundred to nothing. This game. Let's continue to roll through the AFC side of things and take a look at the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills and. Big news uh, comes down on Thursday that Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, will be out of action. He is connected to the COVID-19 protocols. And that takes a lot of uh, juice away from this game. It creates a lot of concerns as well, obviously, uh, because after what we saw, peak Fitz magic uh, last week, to have him now out of the picture entirely, Mark, that's a bummer. You know, the one thing that I, I you look into Ryan Fitzpatrick, that he's really been marvelous in the reliever role if they if they wanted to use him that way um you know greg you made a point in a previous show that they maybe didn't want to start fitzpatrick because the interceptions creep up but his uh tossing the ball on low percentage throws late in games and relief of tua he has been fantastic so that role is stripped away and you have to work with tua through a game um the reason he was benched last week was three straight three and outs that produced negative six yards on drives so you can't get into these slumps. And there have been these hot and cold ebb and flow moments with Tua at quarterback. Um, I think it just raises a lot of concern. It just does. And you have to wonder what happens next for the Dolphins with, with the rest of this situation. But they're extremely well coached in every phase. And I trust them to give the Bills a fight. Um, but the Bills, to me, feel like a, a nuclear power right now. Hmm. But they're not going to be the Bills. This is another problem for the NFL, I think, in Week 17. that We should be building to a game like this. Everyone all week is like, well, I wonder, you know, if Sean McDermott's going to be playing his starters. I think there's been a lot of assuming that he is. Why? They're not, they're not playing Josh Allen for four quarters. I know they haven't said anything, but when, when Sean McDermott says, well, I'm not giving that information away, but we're going to do what's smart for our team. Here's what's smart for your team. Not getting Cole Beasley hurt in the fourth quarter of last week's game. The second that that happened, I thought they, they're not playing anybody next week. They don't care about the two, three seed. They already know the Steelers are resting. The, the two seed might not even matter because the Steelers could lose the first round. A million different things could happen. They're getting that two seed. 
And they're not going to be playing Josh Allen through four quarters. It would be crazy. Matt Milano has been banged up. Anyone you're concerned about, Stefan Diggs, they're on a short week. And, oh, by the way, they could be on a short week next week, too, because half the teams are playing on Saturday. I, I think they're going to lay down and let the Dolphins get into the playoffs. Can their backups give Tua a competition? Maybe. But that that's hard to predict. Hey, Dan, it's, Greg is in a bad mood. I would just I I would watch He's out how you proceed here. He's very I'm good. Annoyed. I'm annoyed. I love the NFL. And right. the NFL, it's, it's because I love get the it. NFL that you got to figure we out get this it. week 17. Right. You're like a, you're a stern father, you know, with a, with a ruler <laughs> slapping. Yeah. The Cole Beasley thing was unfortunate. Um, in that Monday night game, the bills killing the Patriots. You have Stefan Diggs on the bench. You have Josh Allen on the bench and Beasley's out there. And I remember thinking to myself before it happened, cause I had talked about it on the previous show that Beasley had a chance to become a, a 1000 yard receiver for the last time. They're trying to get that guy to a thousand yards, a big personal milestone. So it's really a bummer that that's the way it played out. It kind of reminded me of uh, Wes Welker with the Patriots years ago, blowing out his knee in a meaningless Week 17. Um, but, you know, I think also, Greg, yes, it's a bummer that uh, the the second seed doesn't matter as much, especially this year because you don't have that home field advantage. But, I, I mean, the Bills still have something to gain by being the second seed. If anything ever happened to the Chiefs who aren't – world beaters right now the, it could be the chief uh, the bills that are potentially hosting the afc title game in western new york that's not nothing i don't think they think that way though because they know a million different things they just prioritize what's more important the, the main thing is getting our guys healthy to week uh to the wild card game and they also know because mike tomlin told them that the steelers are laying down so they they don't need to win this game the bills uh, I I would be stunned if Matt Barkley isn't in this game in in the first half. I know they haven't you know come out and said it. Um, Tua Tungavailoa has got to play better. I think part of his problem is everyone watched that primetime game, and I think it was his worst game of the entire season. He needs to bounce back. I don't know if it was the defense they were showing him or the moment, but he's playing too conservatively, and that's the difference between him and Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick throws to guys who are covered. Tua's got to learn how to do that. It's amazing how many short passes Tua is throwing, and I'm you know doing some research of the game, all these games about how efficient Tua is and how he doesn't throw interceptions. Well, watch some of these throws he's making. Uh, they're so high percentage, but when you throw so many high percentage throws, there's not going to be a lot of payoff, whereas you have – this is my favorite stat, and I love our friends at the NFL Media Research team. Fitzpatrick's 34-yard completion to Mac Hollins with 19 seconds to play against the Raiders last week had a 10.9% completion percentage, uh, fourth most improbable completion of the season. It just stinks that Fitzpatrick is mm. not in the picture for this game, and it's a bummer. Or next week, potentially. Or yes. next week, if yeah. they make it. And remember, he's been playing. He came into the league in 2005 as a seventh-round pick out of Harvard. Has never been in the playoffs. So you know it's crushing to him mm. that he doesn't have a chance to play in this game and maybe is out of the picture. Let's move on. Check out the Tennessee Titans at Houston Texans. And, you know, the Titans, Mark, outclassed a little bit on Sunday night by the Packers. How concerned were you by that game and that performance? I'm not overly concerned. I mean, you know, it, that game had a weather element to um, the Titans. To me, they are who they are on offense. I, I'm consistently concerned about their defense, but um, not this week. I'm not too concerned. I mean, the Houston Texans. You know, when you when we used to go to big New Year's Eve parties and you'd sleep oh, over and you'd wake up the next day and there'd society. be like a guy asleep on the floor, and it's like 
You've got to go. That's the Texans. We've seen enough. Their their defense has been in off-season mode for a month. And, you know, you have Brandon Allen throwing for nearly 400 yards on them last week. I see nothing stopping Tennessee here. Uh, the only question is if our friend Derek Henry can get to 2,000 yards. It's asking a lot after what happened in Green Bay. Um, it's 200-plus yards, but you never know. I don't think that's going to be their He needs 223 yards. Players in week 17 to become the eighth player to 2000. I would say it's impossible, but then you look at the opponent and you look at the stakes. I, the Texans, and I think uh, Henry already has a 200 yard game against Houston this year. I would not rule it out, especially if this game starts going uh, Tennessee's way and, and Henry starts sniffing it, that they start feeding the ball again, Greg, you're going to get into that conversation. Well, is that the smart thing to do? If you have a playoff spot, uh, locked up and you got Henry uh, rushing the ball 30 times. These things matter to the players and to the organizations. And I think 2,000 yards might keep Henry on the field uh, if he gets within sniffing distance. Yeah, he would be the one guy that feels like the exception because he's a superhuman bionic man that suffers no injuries. That said, uh, he leads the league and carries already with over 340. He had, And he led the league last year with 304. So he's already had 40 more carries this season than he had all of last year. That'll be a tricky game to play, but that would be like a good thing for the Texans because it would mean that they're eating a, another 40 burger. They got four 40 burgers this year, Dan. Uh, I think they could make a five. Like they are eating as well as those squirrels out outside your house lately. Good eating. <laughs> yeah, in this weird year of 2020, Mark, you brought up New Year's Eve and like having a you know setting things up and thinking about partying. I now have a squirrel that I feed in my backyard as I look for human <laughs> connection in a world that has gone awry. Um, the one thing there's one the fly in the ointment for the Tennessee Titans uh, is Deshaun Watson here. Because Tennessee's defense is not good. It's the worst defense of the playoff contenders and the Super Bowl contenders out there by far statistically. You see it every time, it seems like. In their five losses, in fact, the Titans have allowed almost 35 points a game. Uh, so they get lit up in these games when they lose. And Deshaun Watson is playing outrageous football. How do you, he, He's on a team with four wins, and he has a passer rating over 110. So there is a scenario here where Deshaun Watson is lighting up the Titans' defense in Week 17, and things get hairy. Yeah, I mean, there's, he leads the league, and the Texans do, in percentage of throws of 20-plus yards. I mean, that, and we've seen that, and, and they're exciting to watch because of that, and they keep games close despite their defense. But I can't believe that we've just um, shot by a comment about Dan feeding wild squirrels in his yard. Um, there are so many things that could go wrong there, but I understand the He's not wild anymore. Connection. It's actually a girl. Her name is a human Gus. connection. Like you're looking for human connection, but those are, they're not human. They're it's squirrels. Not but I, the most amazing get. thing to me is that you can tell the different squirrels apart because the obvious thing is already starting to happen. Different squirrels are coming. They heard that Dan's got some good food, and now they're coming to the yard. <laughs> this is like they Howard are, Hughes behavior, just throwing it out there. So it is, <laughs> and you know what? Like I'm just embracing that I might be going crazy. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I actually don't have a huge problem with it. All right. Uh, let's move on. Yeah, so Tennessee has a chance to get that wild card uh, uh, spot with an 11th win. Now there's the Indianapolis Colts, who have the easiest path to victory in Week 17 because they have the worst team in the league, the Jacksonville Jaguars, mm. who have lost 14 straight games. Here is Well, there's no, literally no way to build a case for the Colts losing this game. I was going to say the Jags have already clinched the number one overall pick, so they have nothing to gain from losing anymore. So perhaps 
you know, Gardner Minshew comes in and there's some magic and the Colts go home, you know, scratching their heads. Nah, they're going to take care of business here. Right, Greg? They should. But the case is pretty simple that the Jaguars beat them in week one. That that's their one win. It was a weird game. The Colts dominated it. But that's the a long time have, ago, Greggy. I know, but they've kind of dominated this series for a while, and the coaches are the same, Doug Marone and, and Frank Reich. It, it's strange. I don't expect it. And you mentioned the Colts have the easiest matchup, but they've got the toughest route to the playoffs. They're on the outside looking in. If the Titans somehow lose, the Colts can still win the division. Um, but the way it's shaping up with the Bills – potentially resting starters with the Steelers resting starters. I think all these teams uh, have a good chance to get to 11 and five. And that means the Colts uh, would only be the second team since the last expansion uh, to win 11 games and not make the playoffs. And I'm, I'm sad about it. I wanted to see Phillip Rivers in this Colts team. Maybe they will get in. They'll get lucky and get helped out somewhere else. But there's a good chance that collapse against the Steelers in the second half kind of ends up defining their season. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't feel right for them to miss if they get to 11. But what I love about this, um, because there's a lot of hubbub about whether you do this or not, they are hiding, they're hiding out of town scores. So the players can't see, play the game blind, do it the best you can. I love that. Um, the Colts team, there's a lot to like. I think they're balanced. But I also watched the way that they were detonated by Tennessee a couple weeks ago, the way the Ravens beat them up in the second half. The way that they collapsed to Pittsburgh, they had one converted third down in the second half of that game. So they're a little bit of a tricky team to get totally behind, but they are a playoff level team to me. So uh, we'll see how this shakes out. It's it's striking, and we talked about. It. I thought that was one of the strangest games of the 2020 season. How the Colts were so in control uh, at halftime against the Steelers, and then just the the Steelers flipped a switch. And to me, it was kind of telling in the way that. As bad as the Steelers had been in the four weeks previous, it's a reminder that the Steelers and these other AFC superpowers have a higher gear. And when they flip that switch, Mm -hmm. they play at a higher level than the Colts can. So as much as I like the Colts, I've never been in love with this Colts team because I don't think it's ever been a team that you could say is great. It's a good team, and it's a good team that can miss the playoffs even if they get to 11 wins. Greg, here's just a little more shading on your point. Since the expansion to a 12-team postseason in 1990, only one of 208 teams have won 11 games uh, in a season and missed the playoffs. And who was it that missed, Greggy? You know, Tom Brady's Super Bowl defense, his first one, 2002. Incorrect. It was the no. year after the year the after oh, the Matt 18 Castle and year. 1 when Tom Brady tore his ACL and Matt Castle came on and got them to 11 and 5. Still no playoffs. Greg, you got to know that. You just got to know it. Too many Super Bowl trophies in Greg's closet there. Brain freeze. That was another AFC East they tied for and missed the playoffs. I teed you up on that one, Greg. All right, let's swing over to the NFC here and dig in on a a messy game. Arizona Cardinals and L.A. Rams. And why is it messy? The quarterback situation. You have Jared Goff, who is not going to play after thumb surgery. Enter John Wolford of the Alliance of American Football and most recently practice squad of the L.A. Rams. And then on the other side of things, Mark, you have the Arizona Cardinals who have a banged up Kyler Murray nursing a knee injury suffered late in their week 16 loss to the 49ers. Yeah, I love that our friend uh, Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic pointed out that uh, John Wolford is one of maybe the only quarterbacks around to have an active LinkedIn profile. He didn't know he was going to be here as much as we didn't know at this point. Uh, the Ramley, um, they're in a fix. They're in a bit of a fix. What, what you, you do have, you have your defense. I would just point to this. You have Jalen Ramsey. You have Vic Fangio-obsessed Brandon Staley's defense. And Ramsey, 
He put it to Hopkins last time. He didn't have a catch over 10 yards. He held a three reception. So that doesn't change whoever's playing for quarterback. And Greg, can you see a scenario where maybe Wolford comes in and brings a little life to this offense that's had its ups and downs? Oh, yeah. I love it. This guy, they list him at 6'1". He used to be listed at 5'11". Reminds me of Doug Flutie a little bit back there. If if you showed some AAF tape of him on the, the hot shots, that's what got him into the NFL. He was slinging it. I mean, he can make plays with his feet. Uh, he seems like he's confident. I think he'll throw it deep. I think it's he's going to be one of those backups that goes down fighting. Either it goes terribly, and that's possible, or he gives them a little spark and is running around and is a lot of fun to watch. He was literally working in finance and was out of football until your Jets, Danny, uh, called him up. I think it was in 2018. They needed another Jets camp arm. He looked good. And uh, he wasn't on the practice squad this year, Dan. He w- he came into the year as the backup, I think, because Sean McVay likes him. I'm excited to see Sean McVay with a quarterback other than Jared Goff. Let's this see is... if Sean McVay can be like Kyle Shanahan and get uh, his backups to be productive. It's, I mean, this wow. is the season of, you know, t- constant takedowns of the number one and number two picks in the 2000 NFC, uh, NFL draft. Everyone Some wants to tee off on Jared Goff. Everyone's teeing off on Carson Wentz. So now we have this thing where Jared Goff, because he's struggling, now we're going to paint it as this is a good thing for the Rams. John no, Wolford, not a good thing, but could be John Wolford is going to now join up with Sean McVay and light up the Cardinals. And I had the same, a similar conversation. I had to hear the similar hokum from Matt Money Smith on the Power Ranking Show a few days ago when he said he had he had covered and done play by play on some AAF games and Wolford is going to do RPO and Sean McVay is you know having a field day scheming up ways. All right, let's see how it goes. I, I and look, we're, here's that footage again. Like here we go. Let's see what Wolford can do in a big spot. I think it's more Jared Goff residual anger playing into the analysis here. Hey, yeah, well, but- who's the better coach? Do you trust? Sean McVay or Cliff Kingsbury? Because I am left a little wanting watching this Cliff Kingsbury offense. Who, right. Who's got the That's better fair. players? You know, who's got Aaron Donald? Who's got Jalen Ramsey? I was all ready to lock this thing up if Goff and Cooper Cup were playing. I'm not bold enough to do it with Wolford. But I did pick them in my game picks column. I think the Rams can still get this win. Uh, the Rams can get into the playoffs, though, if they lose, if the Bears if the Bears lose their game. And Real quick, Greg, I'm with you. I think you watched Cliff Kingsbury's games. There are moments, especially in the red zone or inside the two-minute warning, where time management and decisions have haunted the Cardinals. And the only belief is Kyler Murray, Simone, my wife, calls him that fast little guy because he is. And, I, you know, he's enjoyable to watch, but he's been inconsistent, too. I'm not sure which team I trust more here. I mean, I'm picking the Rams because, wow. like Greg says, Sean McVay, I trust him. He's got the pelts on the wall over Cliffs Kingsbury. And then... The Rams, Sean McVay may not have Jared Goff or an offense he could trust right now, but he still has that defense. And we've seen all season long with the Cardinals. Their trade is when Kyler Murray is not special, the Cardinals are not special. And I just don't like what I'm hearing about him, uh, where he's at physically. And in general, the inconsistent nature of this offense in the second half of the season, I don't think it's going to be you know a blowout in the favor of the Rams, but I think they're going to take care of wow. business. And I should mention, because I haven't yet, this is a win-and-in playoff scenario for both teams. Uh, the Rams could also make the playoffs with a loss and a Bears loss versus the Packers. The Cardinals are eliminated from playoff contention with the loss. They're out if they don't win this game. Interesting. Mm. All right, let's move on. Up next, the Green Bay Packers head to Soldier Field to face the Bears. Uh, how about them Chicago Bears? 
Three straight wins. They're scoring 30 points every week. Mitch Trubisky is having a field day, playing with confidence. David Montgomery's putting up 130 total yards every week and a touch. Uh, you have Allen Robinson on pace for 1,300 yards. This offense is humming right now. So it, all of a sudden, with the Bears in their own situation, winning in the playoffs, uh, the Packers uh, might have a battle on their hands, Mark. I think they I think they do. I mean, this is a different Bears team than the one that we've prodded fun at for years. And you're getting a different version of David Montgomery in the ground game to start. Now look at you can look who they played in recent weeks. It's not been the high elites of the NFL. And their offensive line has thrived. The run game has thrived. I think a lot of it starts there. Trubisky playing better. You still get the same mistakes. I'm just saying, how do you stop this Packers offense, okay? I right now think that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones have been, look at what happened in Tennessee. What a one-two punch. Devontae Adams, unstoppable. I am confidently locking this up for the Packers. Confidently. He wanted, he wanted, it didn't sound that confident. No, you didn't start out that way. How good the Bears were looking. Are you kidding me? I'm much more, I hate that we have the same lock. I knew Mark wanted to get it out there. Uh, first, I mean, I thank Mitchell Trubisky, uh, for winning these four games in a row, uh, to make it possible for me to lock against him in week 17 against the Packers. Are you kidding me? Has anyone watched these games? Cause I'm telling you, Mitchell Trubisky hasn't even played well two of the last four weeks. It reminds me so much of 2018 where he got a lot of credit for wide open receivers. The offense is playing well, no doubt. Matt Nagy or Bill Lazor, whoever's calling plays, like is in his bag. You know, they're running well. Allen Robinson is awesome. But I think Jair Alexander can take Allen Robinson out. And when you take Robinson out, they just don't have much. Trubisky's been throwing up a couple passes per game that the other team should take away, or he's fumbling the ball. And I don't trust this Bears defense. Even though they've been solid all year, I don't think they get to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think this game is that close. Uh, I feel great about getting the chance to lock up the Packers in Week 17. And then you have the situation with... Uh, the top of the NFC. We, we've been lamenting how Week 17 has been deflated some by this adding of the playoff spot and the removing of the second bye. But in this game, it doesn't get affected because the Packers can lose that number one seed that they currently sit in if they don't win. They have all, everything to play for. Uh, the bye in the first round, everything going through Lambeau Field in the NFC. And that's why, of course, I'm locking up the Packers, too. Wow, this is so boring. This is unprecedented, of course. We have not done this all season long. Uh, but this is a weird week. We like to play the mirror test with the uh, with Vegas, and we want to make sure we pick a game that's within the realm of reason in terms of the competition level. But when you do have the chance uh, to pick Aaron Rodgers closing out, what is it? And I know, Greg, you, you keep on saying it's a, it's a battle. This MVP race is over. Patrick Mahomes isn't Curtains. even playing in Week 17. I like Josh Allen and what he's been able to do mm. the last six weeks to get back in the race. But Rodgers has a chance to throw for close to 50 touchdowns this year with a passer rating of 120. He's going to close this thing out. And the Bears, yes, it does feel, with all due respect to the people of Chicago, like this has been a mirage against some hideous defenses. Mm. Uh, Wake-up call coming. They're going to make us look so bad. The Bears are going to win. You know it now. (laughs) Well, this is, first of all, this is bad strategy by you, Dan. You're three back with five weeks to play and you're locking up the same games. Uh, bad strategy. I would not a strategy off of it, but I'm just trying to win. But, uh, 
Uh, Trubisky, I know, but you got to hope for catching up. You know, treading water. Not, not worried about that. Another day. Another isn't day, it, Greg. Isn't it uh, Trubisky? Wouldn't it be the most Bears thing ever to do all this and then lose two straight to back into the playoffs, which I think could happen if the Cardinals lose, the Bears still get in, and then you end up losing this week, and then you get blasted by the Saints or someone next week, and it's like, oh, that well, that was a deflating way. Then re-sign Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Greg and Mark, did you notice? Uh, Greg, who says he doesn't care about the locks competition, knew absolutely where the standings were, just off the top of his head. I, what I found is that there were a couple years, Dan, where you and I were vying for the title, and Greg was a little little bit farther back. That was when the apathy crept in, and you know this segment's not working. We don't like the locks. It's not. I want to get rid of the Everyone locks. Everyone else after does winning locks, my second but now Greg is plugged year, in. You know, we get. I'm it. getting rid of it. it. I'm getting rid of it after right winning. Right off if the you top win of two in a row, you're not getting get rid, rid of, of anything. <laughs> Time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, Sunday night football. Al, Chris, Michelle, and the world will watch the NFC East get decided. The Washington football team win, and they're the NFC East champs. That's it. It's as simple as that for Washington. They are against the Philadelphia Eagles team, which is the only team that is not in contention for the NFC East crown entering Week 17, which tells you everything you need to know about how their season went. Greg, I feel like a lot of my confidence in Washington is rooted in if Alex Smith is playing because everything else about this team I like in this matchup. Yeah, I like that they have Antonio Gibson back as huge. Alex Smith did practice on Thursday, so it's trending towards him playing. Now, he wasn't playing as well his last few starts uh, that we saw him out there even before the calf injury as he was when he first came into the lineup, but... At least it makes it a great story on Sunday night. Like, this is the game they had to show because it was the one that made sense that there won't be any teams eliminated. And seeing Alex Smith finish on NBC, that's right, on Sunday night, like finish off the comeback of the year uh, award would be pretty awesome against this Eagles team, um, which is just playing out the string and is so banged up. I know they have Jalen Hurts, but the rest of the team, especially on defense, is so banged up right now. It's I'm with you, Greg. It's it's like we were ready to give Alex Smith comeback player of the year if he came in and did a kneel down. I mean, just to even come back and be in uniform. Um, the fact that the coaching staff so clearly said, you know, all along, this is the guy we trust. I think that he can um, do a lot pre-snap that you're not going to get from the other quarterbacks on that roster. This needs to be about Washington's rookie class, though, too. Chase Young, um, Antonio Gibson, these guys are key to this team. And it's incredible to me. These teams met in back in week one when I thought Philly could be a Super Bowl team. Their quarterback of the future, Carson Wentz, is nowhere to be seen right now. And it's Philadelphia and Washington with Washington a chance to win the NFC East. I'm sorry, I didn't see that coming. You know, check me at the door if you did. Jalen Hurts lingers as an X factor in this game, of course, uh, because he's had, you know, explosive moments since taking over for Wentz. He was. Uh, I don't want to say exposed by the Cowboys defense last week, but he came down to earth in those last three quarters against Dallas. So it makes me think that if the Dallas defense could figure out Jalen Hurts a little bit, this Washington front seven uh, can do the same thing. And and it should be noted that, yes, we don't know about Alex Smith right now. Uh, We know Dwayne Haskins isn't the quarterback because Ron Rivera cut the guy um, early this week, the 15th overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. He is gone, and that was obviously a display of power from Ron Rivera, who never liked this guy, never liked the way he played or how he prepared. Uh, So they move forward, and it it does beg the question, and I I trust Ron Rivera, Greg, uh, but why create that distraction in the locker room entering this game 
when you could just just sit Haskins on the bench or have him inactive mm. and handle that in the offseason. Well, I, I wonder if it was a move that was appreciated in the locker room. You know, that it might be something that the team, okay. I, I don't know this, but Haskins put them, you know, in jeopardy. Okay. Tyler Heineke comes in there and looks good. And um, and maybe the team likes it. It's funny because we always say, well, week one doesn't mean anything. And you, you never know what you're going to get in week one. Week one between these teams kind of told us everything. The, the Washington defense was awesome. The defensive backs that Ron Rivera is really a specialty coach, uh, making them better, were awesome in that that game, Kendall Fuller, Ronald Darby, Chase Young was awesome. Haskins was brutal in that week one game. And Carson Wentz was kind of a mess. Like, And, and the Eagles started getting injured. That, that week one game told us a lot about how this uh, season was going to go. I would also say this was probably appreciated. I mean, sorry, but Dwayne Haskins, did you really grasp this opportunity on and off the field? I could point to 18 or 19 things to suggest that you did not. And I think that Ron Rivera needs someone who's all in. And he basically told the rest of the team if you want to act like that, you're not going to be on this team. You can be working a different job somewhere else in society. Sayonara. Obligatory Dwayne Haskins uh, defense. I did not grasp many opportunities when I was 23 either. He is right, right now not wired like this, but for the NFL, obviously. I'll, and before we, uh, he'll get a job. He'll definitely get another opportunity. He will. Before we move on, what would it take? Here's a, a fun little game, Mark. What would it take for Alex Smith not to get Comeback Player of the Year award? And I'm just going to present one scenario. You tell me if it's going to lead to him not getting the trophy. Uh, in this finale game, he starts, goes 11 for 27 for 81 yards, six interceptions, and he's ejected in the fourth cu- quarter for headbutting Sean Hockley, the referee. Does he still get the trophy? That, w- that yes. would make it very edgy because, you know, it's the, the last thing we think about. Um, but I'd have to say the only thing that could probably knock him out of there is like if Brett Favre came in and won a, a Packers game no. in the playoffs in relief of Aaron Rodgers. It's got to be Alex Smith. But the headbutt thing, that's thorny. I mean, that's at hockey. It would be a Sessler scenario. It would be a Sessler scenario where the asteroid finally hits us. That's the only thing that's. Yeah, no vote, no vote logged. Yes. (laughs) That is the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, let's check out the other NFC East matchup because obviously huge playoff ramifications there as well. The Dallas Cowboys coming off. Three consecutive wins, including a blowout of the Eagles last week that knocked the Eagles out of the playoffs. They now travel to the Meadowlands to face the G-Men. And this is very simple, uh, Mark. The winner clinches the NFC East with a win, and then they sit on their couches and hope a Washington loses Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like we flip every week which NFC East team we would prefer to see in January. Um, right now, it's arrow up for me on Dallas and I think if you look back at this season, there was a stretch where Kellen Moore had to game plan um, for four Cowboys quarterbacks in five games. That That's rough. That's not easy to do. Alongside a defense that back then was just a wide open barn door saying, come right through, dance along, dance along to the end zone. Well, that's not the case now. They played a little <laughs> bit better on defense. And the Giants... The end zone was inside the ago, barn? Well, dance out the bar. I don't know if you're going in the barn, out, a lot of dancing, a lot of achieving touchdowns and field goals. And we were high on the Giants, and the Giants ran into the AFC North, didn't they? I mean, I don't, the Giants team, I'm kind of like, interesting. See you next year. (laughs) Yeah, Daniel Jones admitted this week he's uh, been limited in terms of trying to make plays outside the pocket. That's a problem because, you know, they're going up against a pass rush that's been getting better. Uh, We were talking comeback player of the year in a normal year. 
Randy Gregory might be a, a nice option. He has been balling for Dallas, and he has been through a lot. Has been not hasn't been in the NFL very often. He's playing great. Another comeback player of the year candidate. How about Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, playing well le- lately, making the offensive line look better. But when I heard this week that Jerry Jones was in such a good mood on his radio appearance that it said he said he's been dancing around the house. Because they, you know, they got a chance to make the playoffs. I thought, oh, they're gonna lose. Yeah. I mean, there's. You know, I was not remember I about locking up the Cowboys, Greg, because uh, you know it seems like everything's going their direction. But every time you get on board with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they they stick it in your face and say you should not have trusted us. So I'm not doing it this week. However, I am picking Dallas to win this game because you look at the Giants since their week 11 bye, this is how many points they've scored in every game. 19 and 17 in two wins and then 7, 6 and 13 in three losses consecutively. They can't score points. And even if Daniel Jones was healthy, I don't know if I would totally uh, trust them. So I think the Cowboys and their offense and those three wide receivers and Zeke even looking better last week, they should take care of business here and be on the couch with hope against what with Washington's playing. What could go wrong? Exactly. I'm, I'm taking the Giants. Made of tougher stuff. Ooh, I like that. How about you, Sessler? I'm going Cowboys. I think it'll be close. They'll make it dramatic, but Dallas is the team right now that's peaking. All right, let's get through the rest of the week. 17th slate now. Uh, there's going to be some dogs in the rest of these games. Now that we've gotten past like the games that have major playoff implications, um, let's uh, resume our draft uh, setup. And Mark, you get us going here uh, for the rest of these games. All right, well, I'm going to take Seattle at San Francisco. Um, you know, if, if you listen to this show, or if the, if you're the two of you, um, Dan and Greg, you're clear. You understand that. You know, this is my last chance to mm. take a look at Kyle Shanahan and in a a team, frankly, that I'm a little um, disturbed and annoyed uh, will not squeak into the playoffs if a team like the Bears does, just because I think San Francisco could do anything to anyone at any week, or they could be disappointing. They're, they're that they're, the variance is high. Um, I think they can give Seattle a game here. They're gonna they, what they did to the Cardinals a week ago. Their defense, I thought, um, and Robert Sala, it'll be his last appearance in San Francisco. I would wager. Um, what do you mean by looking at Kyle Shanahan for one last time? What, what does that mean? I think exactly? it's clear. I think it's clear. Like, what is I mean, that about? You know, Dan, I you mean, and you could I just would... watch him on Game Pass if you're that uh, Randy. That's what <laughs> do. I need to see him live, okay? And, like, the last time, actually, that Dan and I um, were out in public, uh, uh. you know, peddling our wares and hanging out with the public. We saw Kyle Shanahan at an exclusive party, and um, Dan, you spoke to him, and I didn't get a chance to, and I, um, I still that still stings a little bit. So That's I need to get right. all the Shanahan I get, and you and you. In well, my I'm defense, gonna, I was very drunk at the time. I'm mm. not going to tell the other part of this story that you were not, you were not. It was not clear to you that that was Kyle Shanahan at one point. And I was like, because he's wearing like a bros baseball hat and like this like warm up suit. You'd but be the whole, surprised like how many other guys Kyle Shanahan looks like when he's not on the sideline wearing a a black uh, flat brimmed 49ers hat. No, you're right. You're right. Um, I met Kyle Shanahan at a Hooters once uh, when he was the offensive coordinator hmm. in Indianapolis. Jeff Darlington introduced me, and it was like, you know, Sean, all these other little, co- all the all these other coaches are there. They all look like my size practically. I'm like, this is an offensive staff for you the know, Washington. That's Lafleur's brother, and the and the, the rest yeah. of the run game coordinator. Greg, I'm a little, I, I'm I'm struggling to um, imagine you at Hooters, especially that grimy Indianapolis one, but. 
Uh, you were rolling that. Mark Davis was there too in some Zubaz. Uh, I'll never we? forget it. I'll never we forget missed. it. It was before I knew you guys, before we met. The last right. thing I will say real quick is that Robbie Gould missed two field goals in a PAT last game, okay? Then agrees to a two-year contract extension, then catches Corona. What that's a week. A, that's a what busy a, week. We'll that's see a what busy happens. week. Uh, this is, you know, the Rainmaker uh, hasn't been out all year. Not going to bring it back right now. But this is a weird one in, in the desert for me. The Seahawks are playing to win. And everyone's got this weird thing of like, well, these, four, these 49ers team, like, they're frisky. They try hard. Okay. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has been the key to their team over the last eight weeks. Out this week. Trent Williams, the best player on their team, out this week. Uh, newly out. I mean, they're adding new great players to lose every week. Sherman's out. Kwan Williams, their best defensive player a week ago, out this week. Uh, I do not think this is going to be competitive. Seattle is trying to get that home field advantage. Uh, their defense is playing better, having guys step up. A DJ Reed revenge game, a guy who got away from the 49ers and is playing great for Seattle. I mean, I think Seattle could win this game by, by 30. All right, and they could. The Seahawks can get the number one seed in the NFC uh, if they win and then get a little bit of help. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And it's it's no joke. We we talked about it on the show this past week. The Seahawks defense has gone from liability uh, to borderline strength, um, and I expect them to keep it up. And one, one person who will no longer be on the sideline for San Francisco is Robert Sala. Sala, Sala. He is getting one of these jobs. Book it. Uh, so that will be a big uh, task for Kyle Shanahan in the offseason, finding a new D.C., but that's for a conversation down the road. Up next, I will pick uh, and I will select, all right, let's do it, Jets at Patriots. I am locked in, I being the Jets. I am locked in to the number two overall pick. There's nothing that can happen that can get the Jets to number one. There's nothing that can happen that can get the Jets out of number two and into number three with uh, Cincinnati uh, winning these last couple of weeks. So here we are. Uh, the only thing left to do is absolutely spank the Patriots. And it won't mean much because the Jets are brutal and they're 2-13 and 13 on the year. Um, and I did, and we had this conversation uh, with Peter Schrager on Tuesday's show. There is this fear that Jets' ownership – could take a potential three-game winning streak and, and use that as a springboard to keep Adam Gase. But if you read between the lines, you know uh, what's out there. And Schrager, which I didn't really think of until after the moment, boys, he's pretty in tight with the Jets, so he had to be careful what he said there. Uh, but Gase is gone, so go kill the Patriots, embarrass the Patriots. Sam Darnold, play play the hell of a game, and, and that's how you go into the offseason. Greg, you'll be watching. I know you will. I will not watch this game. Uh, this is the first um, week of games I'm looking forward to not watching a few of the games because we're not. I'm not even going to watch it on Game Pass after the fact. We don't need to see it. Um, maybe in the off season if we're getting really crazy. I do think. I do think there's um, uh, a couple things that you should point out with the Jets. There, I should. I don't think there's anything Sam Darnold should or can do in this game that should impact what the Jets do at quarterback. I think that's a crazy conversation, and I. And I suspect there isn't anything that he can do that should affect. Doesn't mean he's not on the team next year. Maybe he's competing with someone. But whatever he does, it shouldn't It shouldn't matter. He hasn't shown enough. Uh, I, I also thought about, like, you know how people give a lot of credit, like, oh, guys are playing hard for this coach. And I've, I've thought about, like, watching these teams. Maybe that's not that special. These guys are all, like, 
uber professionals and uber motivated. That's how they got to where they are. All the almost all these teams play hard. Maybe there's like a couple exceptions of guys here or there, but it's like every year there are teams, Greg, that completely pack of, it in on their. Coaching it's kind staff. of randomness, though. I think that does it. Like it's a collection of a couple players. For the most part, these guys are proud and they're playing for contracts and they're playing hard. like look at the Falcons every single week. Like most of these teams are playing hard. And then lastly, because it's my last chance to do it, shout out to Patriots 2020 MVP Jake Bailey. It's the guy that, you know, all along Bill Belichick wanted the magical left-handed punter to be the best punter in the league. And you know what? Nothing else went right in 2020, but he found it. Jake Bailey, first team All-Pro. What a punter. What a season. I mean, Greg, once again, you separate yourself from 99.99% of Patriots fans that you're this is this genuinely makes you Excited and happy today that, that the punter of the Patriots, if we told you back in August, is their most um, effective performer. That, that I'm just saying you, Belichick right? has wanted of- a punter like this his whole life. He's super into it. And uh, they finally found out they developed this kid. I mean, he is an incredible punter. And, for, and we haven't mentioned it yet. Nobody I had a- this offseason asking which one of these rosters is farther away. It's more than just a quarterback for New England. Nobody has had a higher profile uh, than a Patriots punter this year. I mean, this offense is bad. And Cam Newton, I don't know if he's playing in this game, but he shouldn't be. There's just nothing there with Cam and this Patriots offense. Uh, it feels like he'll be back in the free agent uh, derby in this offseason, and we'll see if Jared Stidham has a chance to be in the quarterback room. But you, I don't know. It's, it seems impossible that I'm the— I'm almost surprised the Patriots are favored in this game by by three points. Well, if you look at the history between these two teams and how Darnold's played against Belichick, I get it. Um, but I wonder if there's any chance that the starting quarterback in Week One for the Patriots next year is on this roster right now. I don't. I don't think he is. So Can't sell that. Outside tuned. outside chance, I think Cam Newton, but that would be an outside chance. I don't think there's any. chance. After what you've him. seen these last ten weeks, I'd be how surprised. How are you going to sell that to the fan base? How are you going to sell that to your own? What do you resign room? him for? Well, one one thing I know, Bill Belichick does not care about selling anything to the fan base. If, if anything, he wants to annoy, you know, he wants to go counter to that. Yeah, well, how do you sell to yourself then if you've watched this game tape? Or to Robert Kraft. It, it, it would be surprising. It would be very surprising if he's back. All right. Greg, you're up. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, more like oh no. Yeah, like, by the way, it's not it's not nothing Sam Darnold can do. He could play really well, go into the offseason on a good note, helps his trade value, potentially puts a thought in Joe Douglas's mind. But there's nothing he could do. I guess what you're saying to lock in a role as the Jets. I'm saying nothing he can do now after 35 games or whatever it's been should change their approach. Doesn't mean he's not part of that. Their competition or something but yeah i don't think you can't you can't go on this i don't think he's played that well during this streak i don't think he's played like much better than he was was well it's notable that adam gase was asked why he should stick around as quarterback and he pointed to the way that darnold finished last season which is as much on the team and adam gase as it is on sam darnold okay um i need to make a pick here i'm like confused what's available uh let's go with the chargers and uh the chiefs uh, we found out earlier this week Chad Henney is going to be starting this game for the Chiefs. Woof. Um, another one, a little strange in the desert. People thinking that the zombie Chiefs are going to be competitive. We'll see. Uh, the Chargers have a lot to play for here, trying to win their fourth straight game. Uh, Anthony Lynn, I think, could possibly save his job. Justin Herbert puts a capper on the offensive rookie of the year. I would expect key guys like Frank Clark 
maybe Honey Badger. Sammy Watkins has been a little banged up. You know, the, you can't sit everyone. It's tricky with a with the roster size as small as they are. I mean, there's going to be a lot of important players playing for the Chiefs, including starters. But for the most part, they're laying down in this game. Henny's actually looked okay the couple times he's come in. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they move the ball because it's Andy Reid calling plays. But th- this is a dead game. I don't have a tremendous amount of uh, opinion <laughs> to add to that. If we're looking to actually move this, did along you to know some that? So the the Chiefs are fourteen and one, which is a tremendous record. Well, obviously, um, they could have the best record in the history of the franchise with a win in Week Seventeen that they don't care about, and they don't, they shouldn't, because they're already locked into the number one seed. But each of their last six wins has been by six points or less. That's it's, pretty crazy. It's crazy. Not since the Jets game have they won. Um, have they won comfortably? It, so it, it's a great test in terms of can a team flip the switch? Because I, I sincerely believe, and I think most people are in this camp, that the Chiefs are not a team that's scuffling so much. Even though Patrick Mahomes' numbers are, are deflated the last few weeks, he's been human. Um, as much as they just don't feel challenged and they're waiting for what's going to happen in two weeks. I, I, I believe that. I don't. Do you guys, are you on the same page? Do you have any concerns about which Chiefs like, team shows up in the second round of the playoffs? The only thing I, I kind of struggle with is... And I get it. I feel the same way. They seem a little bored to me, and we've been saying that. Um, but I like I struggle with the idea that a team that's fourteen and one is actually feeling waves of boredom and just trying to get through games. I think like they're just you know people are right. pressing them a little bit. But the idea that like they're just sort of holding back and not trying hard it's just not how teams operate. It's, it's not, how we not, think it's they not do. an effort issue. I don't think it's a more like complacency, which is a, a little bit different to me. I, I, I sense that when you watch them. that game, that game last week was awesome. By the way, if someone want, was bored and wanted a game pass game this week or for the off season, like that Falcons chiefs game was, was really interesting. I think defense should look at what Raheem Morris did in that game. I have not seen uh, Mahomes as scrambled as he was. I don't like the fact that they're going to be two weeks off. And to answer your question, I just don't think there's a big gap between them, the bills, the saints, the, rest of the top of the NFL like if I had to pick one team I'd pick them but I think like it's pretty close to to even at the top of the NFL I don't put them like way ahead if AJ Terrell comes down with that Mahomes pass late in the fourth quarter and he had it all he had to do is survive contact with the ground it's annoying when a team could be as good as the Chiefs and get a break like that I feel like that's part of the thing that drove me crazy about the Patriots over the years that it felt like those things happened all the time, but would that have mattered in this week? Because it wouldn't have well, mattered. No, they right? beat the Bills, so they like, beat the Bills, so it's it, they are, right. It was locked. There in, was no. So I, there was know. no making Week Seventeen interesting. All right, uh, let's move on. Greg, snakes to you. Oh, I forgot that the Bucks Falcons is still out there, right? So well, I, you, you have a chance. I'm glad to I remembered. There, I'm glad I remembered in time because this game at least has some juice. Uh, the Bucks do want to get the five seed. It's that's important because the winner plays at. Washington, and if the Buccaneers lost this game, which they they're certainly capable of doing, I know they've been playing well, but they were down to Atlanta. Atlanta's been frisky, competitive. We keep expecting them to not be competitive, and yet they've you know four straight weeks against really mostly against really good teams. They're right in it until the buzzer. Uh, the Bucks good, want that. Team. Yeah, they, they want that five seed because if they lose and the Rams won, they would fall down to six and play a much tougher. Uh, week one game than than the winner of the NFC East. They could you'd probably be playing Seattle. Uh, so it's it's the end of this Falcons team and they're ready to say goodbye. But they are potentially uh, one of the greatest four win teams in NFL history. 
I mean, they've played that second hardest schedule in the league, <laughs> according to Football Outsiders. They are two and eight in one score games, including you know against the Saints and the Chiefs and the Bucks. Like it's like against good teams, and I feel bad for them. I don't think their pieces are going to fit like their next coach either. It was such like a Dan Quinn defense that it's a little bit more of a rebuilding job, I, I think, than people realize. But at least you have Matt Ryan. That's usually an indictment of the coaching staff when you're a team that has pieces and just loses a ton of close games. It, but it's a little different because they fired one guy, brought in Youngery. Um, I'm kept, with you, though. They've been competitive. It. They've been competitive week after week. It's all relative. Best 4-11 and 11 team ever. I mean, there might not be many great well, that's. I mean, that also, are you basing that off your beloved DVOA, or is that just you? Are you spitballing that they're best, the best 4-11 and 11 team? Oh, well, that's just, that's just me. The schedule they face ha- truly has been the second toughest. And... They, there's only been a couple, you know, they have as many two score losses as, you know, some of the best teams in the league. Like every game comes down to the end. So they've definitely been unlucky. I'll tell you this I, I don't even think they're the best 4 and 11 team in football this season. Give me the team that has Deshaun Watson, and I think they beat the no, other 4 and 11 team. No, yep. No. Watson beats the Falcons. I believe it. That's interesting. Uh, sort of interesting. I, <laughs> I look at, I'm into the hey, idea. He started of, it. I'm into the idea of Tampa Bay. Um, Starting the way they did last week, and it's it's a it's not going to be the Lions again, a team that is you know essentially lying in a casket at this point, Detroit. But uh, you know, thirty four points, four hundred and ten yards in the first half. Look at Gronkowski right now, and, and Arians and Tom Brady talk about the fact that they feel he looks the way he did six or seven years ago. No. It just raises the argument for me a little bit of like. Whether that whether or not that's true, he's been much better than he was early in the year. Like some of these players in the years off they take, um, and it's not many, it really helped them. And I wonder if there should be more sabbatical years for certain players who have been through so mm. much. But regardless, um, Brady's throws of twenty plus yards over the last couple of weeks have been great. Um, he was struggling in that area before. This team that I saw against the Lions, I can buy into. I've struggled to buy into them as super streaky. But if you get that, they could beat anyone. All right. That was was pretty interesting too, Mark. Well, I'm not suggesting that you're like, do I want to spend 20 minutes on which 4-11 team would play another one? No, I think we I feel like you talk about Gronk it would be a lot. Like the, but Gronk the is world, interesting. The world's like worst first tape topic. Texans or Falcons. Let's spend a whole block on that. I, I feel like if we did like a montage of Bucks conversation, a lot of it for you, Mark, would be about Rob Gronkowski's season. I feel like you've been tracking this very closely. I don't feel like I mentioned it that much, but maybe I have. But <laughs> He's been good. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he's, he's anything close to the old days, though, right? He just show, he does no, pop up every not. once in a while and makes a play, though. He's sneaky, like, question. sixth in the league among tight ends and receiving yards. So he has been productive for them. So when Arians and Brady say that to each other, um, and, you know, like, I would think Brady would know better than anyone. I'm with you. I, it kind of struck me as, is that true? I don't think it's true. Are they just sitting there and trying to, like, make each other feel good? Why even have that conversation if it's clearly <laughs> untrue? They love him. They love Gronk. Everybody loves Gronk. They're biased. But why they be so suspe- why, why, why be so specific to say he's the player he was seven years ago? Oh yes, Tom. Yes, he is. Yes, Bruce. Oh, didn't <laughs> I make such just, a good comment to you? Maybe it's just Please. like one of the things you say. It's like, hey, we've had the best season our podcast has ever had. And maybe we have. Maybe we haven't. It's been challenging. I know that we're doing the best we can. We'll, we'll, we don't know. I don't think it is because Wes hasn't been here certainly this year. I don't think I'm we're just saying mean that it's, it's like the best the, year though. That's we don't, we don't we pump each it. other up that way. Put it this way. Uh, I do. Always, Mark. I always pump you up uh, with other men. 
behind your back. Um, <laughs> if you got a couple of whiskeys in Tom Brady and asked him that question on New Year's Eve, yeah. hey, Gronk, same guy as he was six years ago? He go, fuck. No. Yeah, same exactly. guy, but he's he's. It's great that he's back, and it's been fun playing with him, and he puts in the work. Uh, but he's not that guy anymore. He's well, I would say then Brady and Arians, like it's time to have honest conversations with each other. <laughs> this is now January. Don't this isn't a tea party and a bunch of moms trading vacation photos. Let's let's get real here. All right, let's move on. Remember when we were like, yeah, we're gonna fly through these final games. Let's do it. Uh, tea party with moms trading vacation photos. I love it. Um, uh, Saints Panthers is that still there? Oh really? Shoot, I would have taken that one too. Gotcha. I'm, I'm gotcha. So out of it. I'm so out of it. Uh, I will take this game late in the draft, and that's a home run because the Saints have something to play for here. They are in the hunt for the number one seed. They have to win uh, and then get help. The Packers have to lose. Is it as simple as that? Is it they win and Packers lose and Saints are number one seed? Um, they Pack- win. Packers a don't th- have a no, it's not that simple because they need the Seahawks to win, actually. They need a three-way tie at 12-4, and four, the Saints ah, do. So the Seahawks are, are have a little different you know scenario to get to one, but yeah, they need the Seahawks to win. Very good. I don't and see it, that happening. And as, as things stand right now, if the current playoff picture holds, the Saints would host the Bears in the wild card round, a 2-7 matchup. So the Saints, though, are going to be um, playing at 4 o'clock here, so I don't know if it's decided or not by that point. No, they're but, all at the same time. They, they set right. it up nicely that way. Good, good. So uh, that will be fun to watch, and you see uh, Drew Brees um, on the field as he continues, you would think, to um, you know get reps, knock off the rust. And then Alvin Kamara, of course, how do you follow up a six-touchdown game uh, that brought old Zeuser a, a fantasy title? I don't know how you do it, but he's going to try. I mean, if he has four, it's like, oh, he's not even himself. <laughs> it is it is very Saints luck, though, that they get the if they get the two seed, to get the two seed the first year that the two seed doesn't get you a bye. It's like last year they finished. Well, weren't they 13-3 and three and they didn't get a bye? They've, they've had some brutal yes. luck, but maybe it's good to get um, a first-round playoff win if that's uh, how it plays out. They they should they should be playing to win. Um, I, if they see what's going on in the other games and they don't like it, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me to take Breeze out because, you know, they can win games without Breeze. They've shown that. Like, we might see a little Jameis uh, Winston here. The offensive line is so good. I think Latavius Murray, to me, is like the bellwether of this team. If Latavius Murray is ripping off 12 for 67, like, then you know we're dominant because he's just going to be a guy who, like, kind of gets what's blocked. He's a good player, but when he's rolling, it's like we're just steamrolling you because mm-hmm. it's a sign you have no hope. And I would think that's going to happen. This Panthers team has – I know they've gotten some wins, but they, their offense is taking on water. Right, lost in these six touchdown performance for Kamara. I think that Murray had, like, 80 yards last week. Right. They had, they had nearly, nearly 600 yards of offense. I mean, I would just ask this quickly. Do you think that this has been a successful year for Matt Rule? One yes. to ten. I, I would say yes. Um, maybe not wins, losses, but you don't leave the season worried. You leave Six. the season with I give him a seven because the main thing is, are you going to bring a good offense, you know, to Carolina? And when you watch them, they have four players over 900 yards from scrimmage. None of those players are named Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's getting Mike Davis, you know, that kind of yardage. Curtis Samuel, you know, so that's what you wanted was a good offense. And I think he did that. I think he's been yeah. fine. I don't put too much into the record, but 
I think a big part of his job will be developing a quarterback. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is kind of a veteran guy, so that's a little bit of a trickier thing. I don't know if Teddy is the answer then, so it's a little bit of an incomplete grade for me because I want to see what they do at quarterback this offseason. Then I want to see if they do indeed uh, go with uh, someone else, um, how that goes. But I I feel like you feel like you're in pretty good hands right now uh, in Charlotte, and they have that big uh, general manager decision to make uh, as well as well oh my last thought on the saints interesting team to keep an eye on here they obviously have had a lot of great years and a lot of a lot of pain in january last year i remember on this very show like about a year ago exactly um next week i I said that oh this that's the best three seed ever. It's thirteen and three Saints team, and then they get picked off by Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Uh, and if you're a Saints fan, you're conditioned for heartbreak to come follow you into January. Is it going to happen again? And Drew Brees is most likely last year. I think there's a lot of good drama around the Saints right now, and I look forward to kind of tracking it as an outsider. Um, we'll see how it plays out, Mark. All right. Well, this is simply because of the time slot, but I will go uh, Las Vegas at Denver. Uh, two of the most disappointing teams, not only in the AFC, but the entire league for the way that Las Vegas crumbled down the stretch, um, for the way that their defense has simply vanished. Um, if it was there to begin with, it has vanished. And on offense, the Broncos. Um, good luck finding a team that underwhelmed more uh, when I went into the season. I thought we, we all did thinking if this clicks, they could be um, intriguing. Even if luck, even if Locke is just sort of a mid-tier guy, there were so many weapons. And, you know, I can't get the image out of my head of watching them play the Chargers last week and have Jerry Judy, I think I mentioned this, he had 15 targets and, you know, five catches and five or six I drops. watched that, Mark. You had mentioned on the Sunday show the five drops. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see this. He he was targeted. You said 15. It felt like he was targeted a thousand times. And they weren't just drops. They were drops in the end zone. There was a drop on a deep ball late that they could have won the game Terrible on. stuff. It was a high-profile boner of a performance uh, by Jerry Judy. Yeah, and he's he's been, and I don't you know, is it all on him? Is it is it him and Locke? But, um... He's Those been targeted like 111 or I don't know what the number. It's like 100 and something times, and his catch rate is very low. So I would love, because I do think this is a very talented player who's had a just a rough rookie season. I think a lot of it is neck up. Here's a Raiders defense that if you watch how that end of that game happened with Miami, these guys can't tackle. They're an embarrassment. Um, go Broncos. This is a chance for you to show what you want to be. I'm not sure it's going to happen, and a lot of changes are ahead, and they have to get real about their quarterback position. But if we want to see the Broncos thrive on offense, this would be the spot. Oh, God, I'm so happy not to have to have that conversation for another like six or seven months. Yes. Uh, right. The Broncos offense is what it is. It's a limited quarterback with good skill players and it's just not coming together and they'll have to make a decision. Actually, I thought Locke not playing well last week was a good thing uh, because they didn't need another quote-unquote strong finish uh, to cloud the minds of the decision makers in Denver. They got to go bring in somebody else uh, at the very least to compete for that starting job. It concerns me, like, Fangio's staying. Fangio today was um, saying sweet nothings about Pat Shermer. Pat mm. Shermer and Locke like each other. Locke has said how helpful it is to have Shermer around, like there's a good relationship. So with all that in place, you know, does it extend to the quarterback? That at could least, be a lot too, Mark. I think you know, it's just talk about Arians and, and the Gronk thing. Maybe that, you know, they leave only what you must. I think this is their sure. last. I think this is Drew Locke's uh, last start. 
for the Broncos. They'll probably get one if someone gets hurt in front of him, but I think he's their backup next year. Not a bad backup at all, though. He's a good no. backup. And I, th- I actually thought about it with the Cowboys saved their season, basically, when they signed Andy Dalton, who's been a great backup. And um, then you look at teams like the Cardinals and the Rams, who are in a potential situation where, you know, um, well, definitely the Rams, but maybe even the Cardinals, where it's like, okay, our season's on the line. Now we're going to bring a guy out that's never thrown a pass before in the NFL. Going after that, uh, you know, high-tier backup quarterback, maybe teams should be a little bit more aggressive about we that. Killed a- I killed Elway about it uh, all off season. How about that? Nice. That they, they, they just like wasted, uh, uh, you know, that they were going into the season with Driscoll, and they're just like, uh, how dare we have competition for Drew Locke? <laughs> Ricky, All right, good let's job. move on. Counting us out, uh, Mark. I believe it snakes to you to close it out, right? Yes, in terrible fashion. I am going to be um, picking against fitting. my will. It's fitting though that you're going to close out our last preview episode of the regular season with your Detroit Lions, isn't it? Yeah, my Lions. Who, um, you know, I think no, honestly. Uh, a little self-reflection. Next August, uh, when you start to get excited about football returning and the prospect of new faces and new teams, how about I'm going to write a little note to myself, one of these ones that like, you put in a little time capsule in your yard, open on August 15th, and whatever team you're latching onto um, illogically, stop. It is annoying to you, and it is annoying to everyone around you. Don't do it again. The Lions in this game, please, we don't even know if Matthew Stafford's going to play. Dalvin Cook is home because of a family emergency situation. He will not be Oof. in this game either. Uh, Riley Reef is on the corona Ten, list. Nine, Mike Zimmer is coming eight, off a week saying that seven, the defense is the worst six, defense he's ever coached. Five, five, I don't know what's going to happen three, in this game. And guess what? I don't care. <laughs> there you go. I'm totally with you. Cornfield this game. And, and uh, for the Vikings fans... That was a tough year. The Lions fans, hope for brighter tomorrow. You got a huge offseason coming up. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Greg, you want to button it up? No, I thought I would make, you know, my first, you know, game preview of the year where I didn't say anything, but you had to you had to ask me. Stafford yeah. is probably going to play in this game, by the way. Could be his maybe, last maybe game. Maybe for the last time, right? That's for notable. The Detroit Lions. Uh, I would not be surprised. I mean, it, there are financially there's a path to that happening and perhaps logically given what's happening there. That might be a dynamite it down situation. All right. There you go. That's week 17. We'll preview them all. Sunday is the next time you'll hear from us on the podcast. We recap every game. And that's a can't-miss episode because by the end of that ep, we will have the complete playoff picture uh, in front of you. And we'll be doing it before anyone else because we grind. We grind here on the Around the NFL podcast. And it should be stated, I don't think we ever said it. I can't believe we didn't say it because Ricky teased it two days ago. Who got moved to the COVID-19 list for the Los Angeles Rams? It was Erica. It was Cooper Cup. Oh. So if you were waiting for no spoilers, if you stayed offline, um, it was Cooper Cup. But most recently, Michael Brockers as well. Hey, there you go. And while we have Ricky on, you never made a um, lock pick last week. We're going to give you an L just for not competing, but you do have a chance here. While we have you on air, you can take that opportunity um, to lock something up this week, unless you're just quitting for the whole rest of the season. Yeah, I feel like I should just quit while I'm ahead. (laughs) While you're ahead, she says. Ahead of what? 
literally forfeited a loss last week. All right. Yeah, you, I just don't. This all right, is, it's this simply is a quitting. stupid game. All right, you're it's a dumb game. Ricky, do you have anything out. else? Uh, and it is obviously we record this on New Year's Eve. Erica, uh, what do you got? Well, I just wanted to say to our listeners, but more to you guys, that we we made it through 2020. I mean, we were in Miami in February, and we never, ever expected that this, this would happen. Um, and we were doing the bunker cast. Remember, we were doing five mm. virtual shows a day. We were doing this. And Excessive. I mean, we've been getting a lot of messages and a lot of tweets and everything about how people were like, it's so nice to have something so you know, stagnant, and that's not the right word. Um, something consistent, something but something, on, yeah. yeah, something that that whatever. Tur- so I but stagnant like, too, <laughs> like a, like a like a pool of water with you know fungi yeah, growing stagnant. on the top. Like of we it. just we never leave. Like we we are a stagnant body we're a rock. of water. We are a rock for those people. That is that's a nice thing. I like. <laughs> so that. I thought that we could close out the show, and I wanted to read a few um, iTunes reviews on Apple ah, Podcasts. Okay. Um, so and if you want to, you know, celebrate the holidays or the New Year, it would be really really great and helpful if you guys um would go leave us some more reviews and five stars if you don't want to leave five stars then don't leave a review at all um so i just want to read a couple i love podcasts and listen to quite a few of them every week but to be honest all you need for your nfl news is around the nfl the guys are all great and they are not talking heads like most other big sports podcasts yeah also this foursome has great chemistry which makes episodes really funny I even I'd even say that I wouldn't watch as much NFL football if it wasn't for the ATN podcast. Keep going, guys. You hear that, Roger? Uh, nice. You know, pump a little money Thank into you. the old piggy banks of the Zeuser, the old boss, Quiet Storm, the mailman, Ricky. We're bringing in money to you. Absolutely. The best NFL content available. Dan and the gang beautifully dissect the games each week and create some laughs along the way. Top shelf contact. Mm. Content. Sorry. Nice. Written by Dan. Yeah, Dan and the gang. My favorite podcast of any genre. The content is great and the hosts are genuine. I really couldn't recommend the show more. Will always be my go-to podcast and has been for years. I downloaded this app just to rate them. Mm. Yeah, how about that? And I like that. That's what I like. Forget about... It's not enough. You want more. It's the disease of more. I don't want just to be the favorite podcast in your sports realm. I want us to be your favorite podcast, period. And Love not it. being afraid of technology. Signing up for that app to, to drop that comment, that's a next-level mm. move. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yep. Incredible show. Funny and informative. Just a group of guys sitting around talking football and joking around. Bit of a sitcom vibe. Mm, interesting. We'll take that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Hey, I think I've been on some hard times. We, we're going to bring it back. We could use some uh, laugh track. That would uh, maybe. Oh, that would be a good off-season episode. Just mm. off track. Like it's got to be a negative episode. one here, please. <laughs> These five people. I mean, like a warm blanket on a cold, rainy day. Do they know more about football than your taxi driver? Probably not. But their ability to make <laughs> you feel like you're sharing a beer at the local watering hole is unparalleled. Get well soon, Wes. So I yeah, mean, it just, depends. That depends on the taxi who the taxi driver is. Right, right. Yeah, and Greg I'll end Cosell it with suddenly driving a taxi. You're probably like, is right. it Greg Williams? Like Greg Williams might be driving a cab right now. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> I'll end G. it with this: the best NFL podcast. Great group. Greg is hilarious. We need more Ricky. Quit picking on Mark. Dan is the man. I miss Chris. Always happy to hear him on the pod. He's my fave. You should do a contest for Nick's nickname. Thank you for regularly giving me something to look forward to. 
So you guys Very can nice. you guys can count on way more um, content coming your way for for 2021, and it's been a terrible year, but we've all been together and we're, we're happy to, to be in your, your earlobes every day. Yes. That was very nice, Erica. And, uh, Nick shook. He has a nickname. It's official. He is the J.R. Smith of this podcast. Sixth man of the year. That's why I call him the pipe. Uh, Nick shook is the pipe. No. Re- I mean, really it don't. It, we're not. I rule that out. Sixth man no, of the year is a much better, somewhere. much better nickname. No. If we, I don't remember this being a democracy. It was, I had to come up with a nickname and he's the pipe. No, I just. I mean, feel... I'm not. Gonna, no one. No one's going with that. We don't. We're not buying that. We do think the. It is amazing. Like the listeners um, keep us going, and it's like doing this podcast in its own way. Even at the beginning, when we were doing that, like daily, which seems crazy now in retrospect, it's been a great distraction. I was thinking, as much as I'm like ready, you know, the the playoffs are going to have its own challenge. We're going to be taping a TV show on a different thing. We'll, we'll tell you about all that. That's exciting. That we're busy. Um, it it's been like amazing. It's been amazing to have this as a distraction. I don't know what I would do without this podcast. I think I'd go a little crazy. Yeah, I, I like would think about like, the early days when I um, somehow finagled my way to an Airbnb during free agency to uh, <laughs> it, it, under the guise of needing um, to pay attention to the the mad rush. But those were great days on some level. Even though the world, I'd walk outside that Airbnb and like. LA was melting hardcore, um, but I'm with you, Greg. I think you said it well. Just we've stared at each other on these screens a lot, but um, it means a lot. I would do it for free, but don't tell that to the commissioner. It's been a really hard year. It's been a difficult year for us. It's been unbelievable that all this stuff is happening, the pandemic, while Chris is battling cancer again, and, and how brave he's been, and Lakeisha and, and Young Link. What what a battle they've been going through. So that is. Always on our minds yep. in 2020. Um, and get well soon, Chris. Better times in 2021 uh, for everyone, including this podcast, because we are not the same when we don't have Wes with us. And um, everybody have a have a great new year. And uh, I don't know what plans you have, Mark. Has anything gone on in the garage? No, very little. I mean, I honestly kind of forgot it was New Year's you Eve. Got, you got an Airbnb. He's like, no, uh, those days of the Airbnb, <laughs> like the last time I could get away from my family. Remember that. It's like Simone's like, That's- Mark, it's New Year's Eve. Can you can you come back from the motel? <laughs> this is a narrative. This is not accurate. All right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, the mailman, the pipe, everybody. Happy New Year. And we'll see you on the other side.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 